Good morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? Those of you that are out there getting your coffee, grab it and come on in. Let's worship the Lord. Sing wherever I go. Sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know. God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. I'm going to sing wherever I go. take a seat. Good morning. How's everyone doing? I don't know about you, but all my life and all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Amen? That was a fun song. Amen. And now we're awake and we're excited and we're celebrating in here of God's goodness. Amen? Amen. Well, it's good to see you guys here today and so thankful that you are here at Kavanaugh Church this weekend, and uh, I believe God has some amazing stuff for us today uh, through the preaching of his word and as we continue on with our services. So I hope you're excited. I hope you came ready to worship and ready to receive God's goodness. Amen? Amen. So let's all stand right back up. Let's do it. Good. Good. All right. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. And again, so thankful for that song of celebration that we just sang, God. You have been truly good to us, and I'm so thankful for all that you have done, God. Every single one of us in this room can point to you and look to you 
right now. And we can, we can find a moment in our life where you came in clutch for us, where you really came in when we desperately needed you, God. And we can rejoice and celebrate, call you our Savior. But Lord, there may be someone here this morning who can't quite say that yet. So, Lord, we're praying for salvation today through the preaching of your word. As we hear that word being preached, God, we pray that salvation happens today and that someone experiences joy, 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 joy deep in their soul. We love you, God, and we know that you love us. You are our God, and we are your people. Again, thank you so much for bringing us back together here at Kavanaugh Church. Bless our services in your name. Amen. Let's continue to sing.
as believers. We were brought out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And that light is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's continue singing our praises this morning to the God who saves.
Wasn't it? Give them a big hand. Appreciate their leading us in worship today. Glad you're here. For those who are watching online, thank you for uh, being a part of our service. Uh, I, I tell you what, sometimes, sometimes I just, uh, I'm ready to go to heaven. Some days I'm just ready to go. How about you? I mean, if, if there was a train that was about to leave to go to heaven, how many of y'all would want to be on it? All right, cool. Good deal. Right now. You got your ticket. That's a key thing. You got your ticket. Well, I hope you do, because there's only one ticket that will get you into heaven, and uh, hang on to that ticket, because we'll talk about that ticket at the end of the service today, all right? 
Well, I want to talk about heaven this morning, and uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 16. As we think about heaven, we must know that there are eternal consequences of how we live our lives on a daily basis, okay? Today really does matter. Here, Jesus is teaching about the proper attitude that we should have towards money. That's all through Luke chapter 16. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says that you cannot serve both God and money. It can't possibly be done. You either serve God and he's number one in your life, or you serve money and the things of this world and they are number one in your life. You can't serve both God and money. Now, Jesus specifically has in mind the Pharisees who, according to verse 15, loved money and they rejected the teachings of Jesus. You see, church, how we use our money in this life is just one indication of whether or not we are truly worshiping and serving the Lord or if we are just purely selfish living only for ourselves. So when Jesus begins to tell this story in verse 19, he is teaching that there are eternal consequences for the way in which we live our lives. And we will experience those consequences in one of two places, heaven or hell. And that's what this story is all about. So let's look at Luke chapter 16. You know this story. It's very familiar. Let me read it to you. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Okay? Now, I call this guy, I'm going to call this guy a fat cat, all right? He, he, was, he was a rich man, and, and when you have enough money, you can feast sumptuously every day. Other translations say he lived in luxury. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came by and licked Lazarus sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, that's another word for hell. And in hell, being in torment, lifted his eyes up and saw Abraham far off, and there was Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water to cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in all of these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of, the place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, 
they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Wow. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to receive your word. As I speak it on the outside, may your Holy Spirit speak it into our lives. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room and all listening online have their ticket to heaven and are ready to go. If not, Lord, challenge us today to do what is necessary to make sure we spend eternity in heaven with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's just attack the, the big white elephant that's in the room. And let me just say from the start that Jesus is not teaching. This story is not that the rich man is in hell because he was rich. And the poor man is in heaven because he's poor. Because that's not at all what this passage is about. Nowhere does Jesus or the Bible teach that. In fact, Abraham is spotlighted in this story. And if you go back and study the Old Testament, you will discover that Abraham was one of the richest people that ever lived in the Bible. So that's not de is the determining factor of where we spend eternity, whether we have money or don't have money. Rather, what determines what we experience the moment we die is our response to the revealed word of truth. In fact, we just read that in this story. The rich man in the story wanted Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to warn his five brothers so that they don't end up in hell with him. And what did Abraham say? Abraham told the man, all they need to do is listen to Moses and the prophets. Everything they need to know about eternity and making the right choice to go to heaven instead of hell has already been revealed to us in the Word of God. And so all they have to do is make reference to the Scripture. They must repent and believe the truth that God has revealed to us in His Word. And we know that's the truth. We know that's the way to be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 declares that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that, my friend, is your ticket to heaven. That confession of faith. You are believing the written word of God. You're believing God's plan of salvation. And once you do that, once you believe in your heart and confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, then you know what? You get your ticket to heaven. You're saved, and heaven is your eternal home. Now, I want us to think together this morning about what happens the moment we take our last breath on planet Earth. Have you ever thought about that? I've been with people when they took their last breath on planet Earth. And, and, and I mean, it just makes your head start, okay, what, what is the next thing they experienced? Because... Our lives do go on, okay? So what do we experience after we take our last breath on planet Earth? Well, one second after you die, you're going to experience four things according to this story. The first being, you're going to experience continuance. 
things continue on. You don't lose your identity when you die. You are, who you are in the last second of this life is who you are in the first second of your next life. Death doesn't change any of that. The spirit that is in you now is what goes on to either heaven or hell. It's not like you can be one person in this life and then somebody totally different in the next life. No, when you take your last breath in this life, you continue on with your next breath in either heaven or hell. No stoppage. You just keep on going. We get that? Are you sure? You can either give me a thumbs up or an okay. We got that. So let's introduce ourselves to the two main characters of this story. The first being the rich man. There was a rich man, according to verse 19, a fat cat, who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every single day. Now, on the surface, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this. I mean, the guy probably worked really hard, had a great job, he made a lot of money, and now he's just enjoying it. He's eating the best food. He's got a mansion that he lives in, and everything is wonderful in his life. It looks okay from the surface, and we're kind of thinking, hey, I'd like to be that guy. But as we dig a little bit deeper into his story, we discovered that there was something terribly wrong with this man. What was it? Let's look at verses 20 and 21. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So this rich man is living in luxury every single day. Meanwhile, right outside of his gate, which was just beyond his front door, was this beggar. His body was consumed with sores. Apparently, he couldn't walk. Maybe it was because of the sores all over his body. And so someone, some family member or friend would bring him every day to this rich man's gate and lay him there. And his one aspiration was just to be fed from the crumbs that fell off this rich man's table. In other words, he was waiting for the guy in the kitchen to take out the garbage. And he was hoping that he would get a little bit of that garbage. It's very specific. While he was lying there, dogs would come by and lick his sores. And this grotesque scene is played out on the front porch of this rich man's house. So what's the problem? Well, remember what this passage is all about? Jesus is teaching about money in this chapter. Jesus says you can't love both God and money at the same time. And so it is apparent that this man loved money more than he loved God. His life revolved around his stuff, his money. We know that money was more important than God because if the reversal had taken place and he loved God more than money, he would be using his money for the things of God. And one of the things he'd be doing is feeding and helping this beggar named Lazarus. Well, the rich man dies and is buried. The next 
thing that we see of him is in verse 23. He's in hell, (laughs) all right, where he was in torment. And he looked up and he saw Abraham far away, and there is the beggar Lazarus at Abraham's side. Now, the thing that I want you to see here is that there is continuance here. One second after he died, the rich man experienced the continuance of the way he had lived his life here on planet Earth. Things didn't change in that regard. He had been a selfish man, unrepentant, and he loved money more than he loved God. And one second after he died, he was immediately aware of the fact that he had messed up that he put his priorities in the wrong place. There is continuance. On the other hand, we read about the second guy in the story, a guy named Lazarus, a beggar. Verse 22 tells us about him. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Poor as he was, Lazarus believed the truth revealed in Scripture, and he repented. Again, I want you to understand, he is not in heaven simply because he was poor. He is in heaven because he believed the word of God. He trusted God. God was the most important thing in his life. And that's the reason he was carried to Abraham's side, which is simply another way of saying he was in heaven. Now listen, because this is the most important part of this sermon. You choose your destiny in this life. You do. You are choosing your destiny in this life. And the consequences of that choice continue on for eternity, either in heaven or in hell. Let's make sure we're on the same level playing field here. You are choosing where you spend eternity right now. You're making that decision right now. Today, it's your choice. Your eternal destiny is your choice. And you're choosing that today. So, if it all ended today, and you stood before God in judgment, where is it you would spend eternity? Because you see, you're deciding that today. You're choosing that today. The rich man chose money over God, and he ended up in hell. The poor man chose God above everything else, and that's the reason he is in heaven. Uh, There's even some indication here in Jesus' story that there is awareness of the life that we leave behind. At least it was that case for the rich man in hell. Look at verses 27 and 28. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. This man knows, he is aware of the fact where he came from, and he knows that he's got five brothers at home that are on the same road that he was on. He knows that if they continue on that road, they're going to end up in the same place he's in, and he doesn't want that for his family. So he begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn them not to keep on the same path that he walked down on this earth. Now, 
I think there is a very important lesson for us to learn in that part of the story, and it's this. The time to tell your friends and family members about Jesus is right now. The time to witness to them is now. The time to invite them to church is now. Once you die and go to heaven and experience what an incredible thing it is in heaven, and we've looked at that over the last couple of weeks, whatever you imagine heaven to be, it's better than that. I mean, no, no matter what you think, it's great. It's a great place. But you know what? Once you die and go there, if you've got a ticket to get in, there is no way in the world you can go back or send word down to any of your family members telling them how great heaven really is. And you know what? If you are in hell one second after you die, there is no way that you can send word up to your family members warning them not to go to that place. So the time to tell your friends about Jesus is right now. The time to invite your family to church is now. Start working on them today for next Sunday. Get them in the house of God. But this story teaches us something else about what believers can expect one second after they die. Not only is there continuance, but number two, for the believer there is comfort. I want you to look at two verses. 22a says this. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And then in verse 25, it talks about Lazarus and he was comforted there. Now, sometimes as believers, hopelessness can set in because this world is hard. Life is tough. It's filled with problems and anguish and pain and there are tears, even for Christians. And so sometimes, even as believers, hopelessness can set in, and we can think that all of our tomorrows are going to be just like today, and we despair. But you know what? Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And our hope in Jesus Christ encourages us that, you know what, no matter how bad life is and how difficult life becomes or how many problems that we really have to face, one second after we die, all of that is going to change. And we're going to be in a perfect place where there is no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, and we are going to be comforted in the arms of God. I like what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Now, you contrast that with what the unbelieving rich man experiences after death. He dies and is buried, and the next thing that he experiences is anguish and torment. Danny, when I was raised as a kid in Midland, Texas, we watched Hee Haw every Saturday night. Anybody grow up watching Hee Haw? And that, that song is just stuck in my mind. I hadn't heard it in years. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And no matter how bad that sounds, let me tell you what, it cannot even begin to explain the anguish and the torment that you're going to experience in hell. Look at verses 23 and 24. 
It says in hell where he was in torment. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in, in this fire. Surveys reveal that most Americans believe in heaven. And why not? I mean, let's, let's, let's just, that'd be a great thing to spend eternity in a perfect place, right? So most Americans agree, believe that there is a heaven. However, very few believe there's a hell. And, and here's one of the things that trip them up when they're asked why. They cannot comprehend how a good, gracious, loving God would send some people to heaven and other people to hell. Therefore, hell must not exist. Well, it does exist, and it is real. And if, if you get down to it, God is not sending anybody there. You're making that choice. We just talked about that a moment ago. You're making that choice today. Your eternal destiny is in your own hands. You're choosing. The fact is that all of us deserve to be judged. All of us deserve separation from God. All of us deserve punishment for our sins. Romans 3.23, who has sinned? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of the God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, one second after you die, if you're in hell, it's all on you. You can't blame anybody else. You can't blame your parents, your school principal, the preacher. You can't pass the buck. It's on you. If you never put your trust in Christ, all of your sins are on you. But one second after you die, if you are in heaven... It's all on Jesus. Your sins were placed on his account because Jesus paid it all on Calvary's cross. So if you're a believer, one second after you die, you're going to experience this incredible comfort. So don't give up. It's going to get better. Number three, if you are a believer... One second after you die, you're going to enjoy the company you're around. <laughs> Look at verse 22. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to whose side? Oh, Father Abraham. But for the rich man, verse 23, in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Now, Abraham is in this story because Abraham represents the people of faith. Abraham, if you go back and read the Old Testament, was the father of faith. He is in heaven, far away from the torment of hell. And with him are all the saints of all the ages. And if we are to know Abraham, which Lazarus knew who Abraham is, we will also know our loved ones and our friends who are in heaven with us. And that's going to be a great reunion day. Not only with your 
if your grandparents were Christians or your parents were Christians or your siblings were Christians, not only will they be there, but you know what? The heroes of the Bible are going to be there. It's just going to be awesome. On the other hand, the rich man appears to be all alone. Certainly he is far from the presence of Almighty God. Look at verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Now, I want you to get this settled in your mind. The essence of heaven is the presence of God. Heaven is about God, being with God. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, the central thing that is in heaven is the throne of God. When you get to heaven, there's no mistaking who's in charge. It's God. It's all about God. And the essence of heaven is the presence of God. So if the essence of heaven is the presence of God, the essence of hell is separation from God. The presence of God is not there. And you're all alone. I would think so. Now, I've heard this said numerous times. In fact, I've had people tell me this. Ah, preacher, me and my buddies, we're just going to bust hell wide open. Oh, we're going to party hardy down in hell. We're going to have a great time down in hell. They're in for a surprise. Can I tell you something, people? Hell is no joking matter. It, it is not only a place of agony and torment, it is one of the loneliest places you can imagine. Not so in heaven. You got your ticket? One, one last thing. If you're a believer, one second after you die, there is going to be commendation given to you look at verses 24 and 25 one last time so he called to him father abraham have pity on me send lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because i am in agony in this fire but abraham replied son remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while lazarus received bad things but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. What a reversal. Magnified. The reversal is magnified. Lazarus is comforted as commendation for the way he lived on planet earth. And the rich man is condemned because of the way he lived his life here on earth. He loved money more than he loved God. And guys, let me tell you, again, that is the central theme or motif that runs through this chapter. You cannot serve both God and money. And he loved money more than he loved God. He never repented. He never turned to God. And he gets not commendation, but condemnation. Look at Hebrews 9.27. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that... You face the judgment. Your destiny is to die. 
and you're going to face the judgment of God. But thanks be to God, you do not have to fear condemnation. Why? Because of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because he's taken our sins upon himself. He has paid the penalty for our sins. There is no condemnation for Will Harmon because I have been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So when I stand before the judgment throne of God, I will not be condemned. I will be commended. Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's because I had a ticket. I had my ticket. You remember what the ticket is, don't you, Freddie? It's faith in Jesus. I am amazed at the crazy things people do. People are, people are, people are, people do unbelievable things, don't they? They do crazy things. And Stacey, what's even crazier is the people who follow up with the crazy things other people have done and buy into their craziness. Isn't that crazy? Do you think I'm crazy? For example, true story I read out of Jacksonville, Florida. These, these, this couple, Tito and Amanda Watts. I, no, I did research. I don't think they're in your family tree, all right? No Tito or Amanda Watts. They were arrested in Jacksonville, Florida because they were selling golden tickets to heaven on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. $99.99. That's how much they were charging, right out of 100 bucks. What they claimed is that these little tickets were little bars of pure gold and stamped on them was admit one to heaven. And they, they would peddle these on the street, and, and their, their little thing was, their sales pitch was, when, when you die, make sure this is in your pocket, and so when you die, always carry it with you, so that when you die and stand at the pearly gates, you can give them this golden ticket, and this ticket will get you into heaven. You think that's crazy? They sold hundreds of them. <laughs> and they were arrested. And here's what one of the Jacksonville police spokesmen said. People can sell tickets to heaven. That's not against the law. But the Watts misrepresented their product. The tickets were not solid gold. They were just sticks of metal with admit one heaven imprinted on them and then dipped in gold paint. And here's what they said. You can't sell something as gold when it's not really gold. And that's where the watch crossed the line into doing something illegal. And so they got arrested. They confiscated $10,000 in cash. So I guess it was a profitable venture for them until they got caught. Confiscated $10,000, five crack pipes, and a baby alligator. <laughs> there it is right there. And then they sent them to prison. Isn't that crazy? To buy a little gold bar, thinking that's your ticket into heaven? 
ain't going to get you in. It's the wrong ticket. The only ticket that's going to get you into heaven is what you do with Jesus. Father Abraham, I've got, I've got a family back at home, and they're, they're going down the same road that I went down. Please send Lazarus to them and warn them. Abraham says, it won't do any good. If they don't believe this, they're not going to believe somebody who came back from the dead. This, it's a ticket. You believe this. Bottom line is this, I don't want anybody, even you balcony people, love you guys, enjoy the balcony, you're about to lose it, all right? I don't want anybody, even people watching, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven. But you've got to have the ticket. The ticket that you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead. Then you'll be saved. Then you'll get into heaven. Uh, I just don't know if... A person can know for sure if they got that ticket. Gail, they can know for sure. And you don't need to walk out of this building today until you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. We're about to do an invitation. In fact, I'm going to call the musicians on up here. Give you a chance to come and invite Jesus into your heart. If you've never done that or if you're unsure that Jesus is Lord of your life, come and pray this morning. We'll pray with you. Secondly, if if you're here today and you've got lost family members, now's the time to tell them. And today is the day to come and start praying for them, that they would be saved. Heavenly Father, I I pray that there would be response to this invitation. I pray, dear Lord, that there would be someone who gives their life to you today and many others of us who come and pray for lost friends and family members who need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. More than anything, I pray that you would be worshipped and praised and exalted today. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. Altars are open. I encourage you to come right now. Get your ticket to heaven.
today for that amazing grace that, uh, that covers our sins and frees us and gives us a home in heaven. Lord, it is my earnest prayer that everyone listening, whether in person or online, has their ticket to heaven, that they've accepted the truth of the Word of God, they've invited Jesus into their heart. Lord, if not, I pray that before this day comes to an end, they would make that decision and follow you. Lord, every one of us in this room, we all have someone in our family, someone we work with, a neighbor that is without Christ and without hope. Lord, give us a burden to pray for them, to witness to them, and to invite them to church. I love you so much, Lord. Thank you for this time in your house today. All praise, honor, and glory go to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a moment. Thanks for being here today and uh, worshiping with us. Can you believe that this is the first Sunday in December? I mean, wow. And we need an air conditioner turned on. It's, it's really warm out. A uh, couple of things. We're about to move into our new building. We're about to start the new year and we have this incredible We Worship area that is about to open. Uh, if you haven't been over there and walked through the We Worship area, you need to do it. It is absolutely... One of the reasons we built this new building is for that new We Worship area that connects with Kids Church. And we're needing volunteers for 2022. Uh, Wednesday night, I told the, the group that was here, y'all pray about signing up for... And then I retracted that. Because you know what? You don't even need to pray about it. You just need to do it. All right? So I think uh, some of the brochures are in the pews. If not, they're out in the Welcome Center. If you have any questions, talk to Caleb and Ashwin. We, ju we just need volunteers to help take care of the most precious commodity that we have. And that's our babies. All right? So would you please do that? Uh, when you walk out the door, make sure you drop your offering into one of those black boxes. Tonight at uh, 6.30, we're going to have a Bible study online. Kurt Dieter is going to be teaching that lesson. Come back Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have uh, activities and lessons for all ages. Be sure and pray for J.E. McKinney. He was taken to the hospital this morning. And also Billy Gibson, uh, Mary Leonard's son, is uh, in critical, con critical condition. Got a bad report on Friday. And they don't give Billy but four weeks to live. So please pray for Billy, his family, and also pray for, uh, for Miss Mary, and I know that they would appreciate that. Pray for me. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to Nashville, uh, going to be at uh, our leadership conference and then an international missions board meeting. And on Tuesday at 11 o'clock, I'm teaching a seminar at that leadership uh, event. So pray for me, all right? I, I certainly need it. Uh, one last thing, I want, I want my kids to stand up right here, right? Y'all come, y'all stand up. I know you don't want to do this, but stand up. Whitney will, Zane doesn't want to. Come here. You stand on one side and you stand on the other side. I've got my, my eldest and my youngest right here with me today. The uh, middle one didn't get to come home. Here's the deal. December's a big month. It's not only Christmas, but it's Zane's birthday month and Whitney's birthday month. So they came home this weekend so I could take them out for a birthday lunch. Isn't that great? Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to my babies. Hope you have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed.